A little homage to Seth Rollins. <laughs> uh, get into that a little later, I guess. Uh, yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Schmidt and Lavelle. My name's Tom Lavelle, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Timothy Schmidt. Um, on today's episode, we're going to be covering the opening day of baseball, the Phillies start. Uh, recap of... <laughs> March Madness, uh, the Masters Golf, um, some childhood idiosyncrasies, and of course we're going to recap WWE and a great weekend of WrestleMania. Tim, how you doing, buddy? How was your weekend? Ah, uh, dude, it's all weekend. Uh, yeah, spent a lot of time with my daughters, which was which was fun. Uh, but dude, we had a jam packed weekend, jam packed from start to finish. Uh, you know, with March Madness, we had WrestleMania, we had so many things going on, and yeah, you know, honestly, it was hard to keep up with. But um, you know what, dude? It it's good to stay busy. Yeah, at this point of the year, you know, with the Phillies kicking off, and yeah, there, there's usually a nice little drop off from the time that the Super Bowl hits, right? Like, yeah, you're riding high, especially Eagles fans. We were feeling good, and uh, you know there was a nice little, little letdown there for a little while. And you know, the Sixers. Let's be honest; like the NBA season, the regular season, really doesn't matter at this point. Like, yeah, you know, you're either a playoff team or not. So, you know, the the, the next biggest thing to look forward to is March Madness, and uh, you know there was a little bit of a letdown, and and right now things have really started to kick up. It's it's Masters week. Uh, you know, we had the end of March Madness, and uh, you know, the Phillies have just started, so a lot's going on right now, and uh, you know, it's easy to get distracted. So, why don't we get into it, Tom? Tim, is it is it worse for basketball to have all these Cinderella stories moving on? You know, UConn was in the final, and they seemed to run away with it. They beat everybody, they crushed them, but the other three teams are not your your household names. Has the NIL and the transfer window ruined maybe the viewership? Like last night, the championship game, I was paying attention for various reasons, mostly for those block pools that we're never going to do again. But is it, if it was North Carolina versus Kansas, there would have been a much bigger buzz, don't you think? Like, is, oh, yeah, is this sure, a problem? No, no. no the, there would be a ton more eyes on it, but I dude, this is the, the new world that we live in with the NIL and the transfer portal. Um, you know, it's a shame because, you know, money is the driving factor. Um, you know, not like it, you know, it wasn't beforehand because, you know, let's, let's be honest for years, you know, college basketball players have been paid and, you know, yeah, there's movies made about it. Like if you ever saw Blue Chips, right? Like that doesn't come out of thin air. Like that's not, it's not bullshit, yeah. right? Not um, just college basketball players, but football as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's rampant among those sports and and those blue chip you know prospects and those those blue chip programs. Yeah, you know, they they have a tendency. They, there's a lot of coaches that have been suspended in, in the past for for doing those things, but. Um, in my opinion, like it kind of levels out the playing field. Like you see these teams, you know, come into, 
you know, into the final four that, you know, really don't belong there. But I mean, I don't, I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, what I think it was kind of a, a weird year this year with like these new teams getting in, right? Like San Diego State and UConn has been a perennial contender. Um, yeah, they've gone through some doldrums here and there. But um, yeah, there's been some teams that, that have, you know, snuck in and, and have delivered. And San Diego State was one of them. And, yeah, they just didn't have enough to to push it past the, you know, to the end goal there that they had they had in mind. But, you know, I, I think all in all, like the NIL, you know, the transfer portal, that whole thing is, I think it's bad for business. Yeah, you, know, you you hope that these guys don't just go where the money go, the, where the you know where the money is. Um, but yeah, you know, I I just don't really know how in all it affects the game. I, I, the NBA just collected on it, or they just uh, decided on a collective a bargain agreement too, where they don't let those, those freshmen in, um, into the league yet. Like they have to play uh, you know, a certain amount of games or they have to, I think they have to play one more year to actually get into the NBA. But like, it just, I don't know how it plays out, dude. Honestly, like I'm not, I'm not that smart on it, but I really think that college basketball beforehand was better than, than it is now. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I paid a lot more attention to it. I watched more games throughout the year. Now, maybe with the big five not being as good this year, no one making the tournament. I Dude, the big, the big five hasn't been good in like in like two decades. Dude. Well, it's Villanova. Not- yeah, well, Villanova's not even part of the Big Five. I mean, they're—I mean, they're like the outsider looking in. Like, <laughs> like Villanova has dominated Philadelphia basketball for years now. Um, Jay Wright moved on, and they had a new guy in there, Kyle Neptune, and he fell flat on his face. But I mean, dude, Temple couldn't even hire a college basketball coach after they let go of Aaron McKee this past, you know, in like three weeks ago, I think it was. Like, it's. It's bad basketball right now, which is sad because Philadelphia used to be the mecca of of college basketball. The Big Five was something to be proud of, and it just it doesn't have that same cachet anymore. So, um, Big Five, eh? I mean, it, it doesn't really have that much more of an impact on on the NCAA tournament anymore. So, big story this weekend: the women's basketball championship. Everyone, all anyone can talk about is this. Angel Reese versus what's I I forget the Kaylin Clark. Kaylin Clark. I mean, if you haven't seen her play, she's probably one of the best women's basketball players you've seen in the last 30 years. She's incredible. I mean, this girl can pull up from any point on the court. She is incredible. She led, I think she led the NCAA in scoring. Uh, you know, top five in assists, rebounds. I mean, she just does it all. She's incredible. Um, yeah, and then there's this little controversy that's taking place with, you know, her uh, essentially doing like the John Cena, you can't see me deal. Yeah. Um, you know, in the semifinal game, uh, you know, after they ran away with it, and uh, one of the LSU players took took uh, exception to it, and when they beat her in the final. She did it back to her, and then she basically went ring chasing with her. So after the game was over, started pointing to her finger like, hey, you know, like I got a ring you did. It's kind of rubbing her face in a little bit. And, yeah, you know, there was a little fallout today. They had Keelan Clark on ESPN 
you know, talking about like how she felt about the whole situation. And she said, look, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's sports. People talk shit, you know? And I, I can see that from, from one point of view, but, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's, there's a level of respect that you have to have for your opponent when you play these games. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just didn't see it. Yeah, with those interactions between Caitlin and and uh, between LSU and and Iowa, it just didn't didn't jive with me. So I mean, it felt a little uncomfortable with it. But hey, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just this is two athletes. You know, they're competing at the highest level, and you know those things are going to come out. You know, like Jordan, Jordan Bird, you know. Magic right. Bird, all these guys, they all did it at their at their highest level. And uh, you know, the we can't just you know make an exception for for these two women who you know decided to, to take it to the next level, which is fine, in yeah, my opinion. I feel like on both sides there's a little bit like an uh, there's an overreaction and kind of um maybe an underreaction, you know. You are people are, are defending someone for this which it's it's clearly it's it's excessive it's a it's much it's the game you know people talk shit i don't necessarily like it but i don't really care too much like to be this this girl doesn't make her a terrible person i think looking back i'd say uh eh, uh like it's it's almost cringe to me if i was that girl and i did that in the moment here the moment you're talking shit you're you just won you're excited and you do this stuff I I was a cocky shit when I was a kid, so I think back on certain things that I did, and I go, "Well, you still are." Yeah, right. I am, and so I understand doing stuff like that, and I understand, in my view, I look back on it and go, "Ugh, why'd I do that? You're such a dick." So then, what really I, I had a great conversation with someone about it today, and kind of what we came to the end of it was. The social media and the bullshit with the whole thing and people taking sides, whatever, turning it into issues that it's not saying that it's like, you know, the race issue, the female men, men issue, this and that. And what really upsets me and I'm thinking about it is as a society, we take the bait again and people are arguing about this stupid shit. And it's it's nothing really to argue about. She did no. it. It is what it is. She's not a horrible person for doing it. And she's also not, it's not, she's doing it for some just cause either, you know? So uh, like we took the bait again. And so it's like, when is this just not going to become uh, an issue? And it's just, it happens. Um, I like, think, I think we're, we're past that point where, you know, we hope that like, yeah, you know, people just take it in stride and they, it's never going to be like that anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're getting a little serious right now, but yeah, like, no. <laughs> it, it's just, we don't want to do that, you know, but <laughs> It, it uh, unfortunately, like these issues pop up and, you know, you know the media runs with them and uh, it's hard for you because they, they put you in a position to make a decision like well, whose side are you on? Right. right exactly. And they, and they do these shows like you see Skip Bayless and, uh, you know, Shannon Sharp and you have Stephen A. Smith and these other guys. Right. And they and they debate these issues on a daily basis and then they put them out on social media and then there's comments that flow in from everywhere right and you know it's you know no one ever says like oh, i can see both sides you know it's one or the other dude yeah. and it's a shame but i mean it's just the world that we live in now bud and uh you know 
we hate the preacher of the choir, but I mean, I think everyone that watches the show probably understands where we're coming from. Is it also another thing too, where it reminds me of, and I, the first person I thought of kind of was like a Richard Sherman when uh, he did the thing with Crabtree afterwards. Is it a way to get your name out there? Now, Angel Reese, who I'd never heard of prior to the championship game, is now this name that people are talking about. She's on a show. She She's getting some, some hype. Will that up her draft stat? Or is she going to be in the WNBA now? Is this going to make more? Yeah, um, I, is she going to be getting sponsorship from this? I mean, it's, it's weird, like, because – I mean, that's a, if you're doing that, that's a calculated, right. You know, like chess piece move, right? Like, um, no, it just seems, seemed pretty spontaneous to me. I mean, she probably thought about it a little bit, but like, look, I mean, whatever. Like, yeah. in, in my opinion, like the, the more time that people spend on this topic, I mean, it's a waste. I mean, whatever. Like, we're, no one's going to think about fucking Angel Reese in, five ten years you know caitlin clark is a is an absolute beast um she's coming back next year uh she was in the finals right i mean we'll see how how it plays out but i mean this this girl is a, a once in a generation talent i'm looking forward to seeing her play i i mean i've never turned on a WNBA game just to watch you know one of the players play i i, I and i'm being honest there and i'm not you know it's just just the way it is, right? Like I don't right. find that that sport entertaining, but my God, Caitlin Clark, what a player! So yeah. Well, so I guess we should move on. And um, something funny happened to me the other day, Timmy. I was sitting at home, and my wife she goes to work early, and I have both kids. I've got to feed the one, get the other one, uh, calm down, get the other one to school. So two kids, it's it can be a, a juggling act. And we had gotten this thing, and have you ever heard of a, a nanit? It's called a nanit. Sure. It is a it's kind of like a um a monitor for your crib and it also attaches to your phone. You have an app for it, you can look it up. So mm. I'm sitting there and the baby is now crying. I can tell he's tired, he's ready to go down. I'm trying to get the other one to eat breakfast, finish his breakfast, put his shoes on. Get ready. We have to go. Eat your breakfast. Cry in my ear. Blah, blah, blah. Getting frustrated. And eventually, I look to the sky and I yell, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right? Which is not something I'm necessarily proud of. But, but who are you saying that? Who are you, were you just saying that in general? Are you just screaming at it? I, I screamed it to the heavens, Timmy. Because you were so frustrated or frustrated? Frustrated. Uh, okay. People say, I've, I've heard frustrated. I've heard... I've heard frustrated, frustrated, and frustrated. I was frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, you were. Either way, I yell that. Okay. Get them ready to go. Out the door. Eat breakfast. Brush teeth. Shoes on. Baby in the car. Let's go. Get him to school. Drop him off. Get back in my car. Look at my phone. I have a missed call from my wife. I think to myself, oh, I guess I missed it while I was out of the car putting him into school. And I look at my text. It says, why are you yelling at the baby? <laughs> Wait, she, caught, she caught you. She caught, <laughs> <laughs> she, 
She got it word for word. I said, what the fuck? I said, are you watching me? <laughs> Her response was, no, I'm, uh, I, I, I was asked to update the app on the Nanit and just uh, in coincidence. And that way she heard me yell, shut the fuck up. First of all, Nanit is the worst name. Like that's I terrible. I know. I, I wouldn't be able to go back and forth with my wife about a Nanit. Like, yeah. oh, you saw me in the Nanit? No, nah, I'm out. Dude. Like, <laughs> I unplugged call, it. Yeah. I like, the Nanit is done. Like, yeah. Uh, but dude, that's a that's a brutal situation. I mean, you gotta you gotta be aware of your surroundings. I mean, especially if the <laughs> Nanit's that's available, dude. You gotta you gotta be aware of that thing of all times. She's a nut, dude. Is she not nuts? That's nutty behavior. I've never checked in on her to see what she's doing with the with the kids. Yeah, it's it's pushing the envelope, Tom. And you know, at that point, like I would, you know, listen, I'm quick to pull the trigger, but I mean, divorce starts creeping in my mind. You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Listen, look, if you you can't trust me, yeah. I don't know what we oh, have. What do we have? She here? hits with it. She gets me. This is the text. I go, I go, I'm fucking throwing this thing out. She goes, if you throw it out, you better give me money to replace it. And I just wrote, LOL, nope. And she wrote, <laughs> she goes, the monitor's not the problem. Yeah. You are the problem. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with her. You're probably not the problem, but I mean, between you and the nanit or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> it's me or the nanit. You gotta <laughs> make a decision. Make a decision. You got a bad you gotta damn it. You got a bad situation there, brother. <laughs> Tim, speaking of bad situations, the Phillies have not gotten off to a good start this season. Losing their four, first four games. Currently the fifth game is going on. Last I saw they were winning two nothing. They would be the first team, if they lose tonight, to be in the World Series and then lose their first five games. So hopefully they win this one. Um, Is it time to be hitting the uh, alarm buttons? Should we be worried that the Phillies cannot turn this around, the season is lost, and rebuild for next year? Yeah, I mean, we should probably tear it down right now and and rethink this entire operation. It's been it's been brutal. I mean, look, dude, like honestly, we're off to a, a rough start. Not the ideal start that you want to be on uh if you're if you're in a Phillies camp, but um yeah, I mean you you need to be better, right? Um I'm not worried because yeah, there's a hundred and fifty-eight games left in the season. So uh, yeah, we fired Joe Girardi, you know, about 50 some games into the se- almost 60 games into the season. And we were able to make the playoffs and, and, you know, make the national league championship, uh, you know, obviously all they do with world series. So I'm not worried in terms of that, right. There's so much real estate left. The thing that I'm worried about is that the lineup is just, it just seems so disjointed. Um, you know, like, like Trey Trey Turner's hitting; he's fine out of lead up lead off spot. Alec Boehm is off to a hot start, but everybody else isn't. And um, yeah, I talked about this. Uh, yeah, I think two episodes ago about everyone missing Reese Hoskins, and you know Nick Cassianos is in that 
is in that three hole. He's in that four hole sometimes. Well, JT's in that four hole, or three hole. Cassianis has been hitting out of the five hole, but still, he's his job is is protect, right? He's the guy that's supposed to deliver the big hit. And he came off a terrible season, and now there's a lot of pressure on him to deliver with Reese not playing, right? So he's the only right-handed power bat you have in that lineup, and you're throwing a lot at him. And, um, yeah, I think they're pressing a little bit now after the the first couple games of the season. But, I mean, the pitching has been brutal, like brutal, dude. I mean – I think the bullpen in itself has given up almost 17 runs. Uh, it's just it's just been terrible. Starting pitching hasn't been good. Like, the pitching in general just hasn't been good. Well, and, I've noticed that a lot of Aaron Nola haters have been coming out of the woodwork. People uh, that have been saying now, Aaron Nola, I knew he was a bum. I knew this is what he does. Blah, blah, blah. Up 5 nothing. That should be a win and this and that in the first game. And, yeah, I feel like we should have won that game. But – I, I almost feel like they discredit what he does. He's a workhorse. He's been there and pitched so, like a ton of games every year. You can count on him. He gives you what he gives you. Is he the greatest pitcher in the league? No, but he is a solid pitcher. And for people to be just ready to dismiss him already, I I, I don't get uh, it. He's been a top 10 um, pitcher in the league for well over five years. He's been a Cy Young candidate. He's had – you know, votes where he's been in the top five at least three times. Um, the guy can pitch. I mean, yeah, like everyone has that that memory of of his last outing, you know, in the playoffs, right? And granted, it wasn't great, but the the first couple outings before that, you know, in the playoffs were absolutely exceptional. So, um, yeah, I, he's not the he's not the issue. Um, it's still early. I think you just got to give these time, give these guys time to gel. Yeah, they're missing big pieces. They're missing Bryce Harper. They're missing you know, Reese Hoskins, and they're just trying to find their way a little bit. Um, yeah, they're coming off a little bit of a World Series hangover, and uh, yeah, I think give them some time. Philly Rob will get them right, and they'll be back. Yeah, I feel like we got to send a little pump the brakes to all the Phillies fans to have a little patience out there. Yes, it's been a rough start. We do demand better. We want better. They're going to fight for us. This is a team that fights. Wait for them to go on their run. We'll be fine. And well, I'm sure they're, 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 if any of the Phillies fans are listening to this podcast, they, they'll definitely take something from a guy that's wearing a Pirates hat. <laughs> now, the reason I'm wearing this Pirates hat yeah. is I coach. Little League Baseball, and my son happens to be on the Pirates. We were ah. playing in the backyard, a mm. little a little batting practice, and we like to wear our hats when we play. Also, it's a P, you know? It's Pennsylvania team, one of uh, two Pennsylvania teams. In, does, that uh, make, does that make you feel good, wearing that Pirates hat? When it you're, doesn't. When you're I questioned your wearing son it. Out. Yeah, when you're throwing the heat. Huh? Here you go, son. <laughs> Get out of here. Here's the pitch. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, could be a worse hat. I'll never own a Mets hat. Yeah. Have you seen this guy O'Neill Cruz, the shortstop for the Pirates? Ah, uh, he's a, he's a tall son of a bitch. Six six, highest exit velocity of anyone in the league last year when he hits the ball. This guy crushes the ball. Not to mention when I first moved here from California. Mm-hmm. 
we moved into a lady's house. She was Cuban. Her name was Marta Zubalaga. Cuban. <laughs> Go into the basement. What do they leave behind? A Roberto Clemente poster. What a star. What a guy. Roberto Clemente. How, Roberto Clemente, how do, how dare you, Tim? Can't leave that you are, behind. You are just can't leave that behind. Crapping on his legacy. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Um, Tim, speaking of growing up, got a question for you. Growing mm-hmm. up, did you have an allowance? Um, not an allowance. Um, I more had just chores that I never got paid for. <laughs> I remember my dad, like my dad used to go like this. He'd go, son, and like, dude, like when I was a kid, I had the worst allergies of all time. Like, dude, I, I was allergic to the fucking like the computer that we're on right now. I'd be allergic to it. Like, that's how bad my allergies were. Like, I'd be sneezing all over the screen. It'd be bad. Um, so like seasonal allergies were the worst. And my dad would go, you know, we had neighbors you know, up and down and they were very close neighbors. And my dad used to look out for them and they were older ladies usually. And they would go, my dad would go, all right, son, uh, you're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to mow six lawns. And I'd like, I'd take the push mower out and it was like the regular blade push mower. <laughs> like, dude. Like the grass didn't go to the side. It just went up into your face as you were fucking mowing the lawn. So like, dude, I would, I would mow, yeah, I would mow like six lawns. And by the time I got in, dude, I look like fucking, I look like Buff the Magic Dragon, dude. My eyes were fucking just through the, dude, it was so bad, dude. I, my, and my dad would be like, you're not done yet. You still got the Sussex lawn. And I'm like, dad, I can't breathe, dude. Like, what are you doing to me? It was terrible, but we uh we had a similar story. There was a lady behind us, and the barber shop that we go to, it was the barber's mother, Mrs. Falco was her name. And whenever it would snow, we had to shovel her driveway. She had a big driveway oh. and sidewalk. In fact, we had to shovel her driveway and sidewalk and all our neighbors' sidewalks. And now this is a suburb suburb block. Timmy, this isn't a uh, a city block. So we had the whole, we were on the corner and the whole rest of the way it took me and my brother hours and we weren't allowed to accept money for it, no matter what. Uh, she tried to give us money and then like we got in trouble that we took the money one time. We we're like, dad, it's five bucks, you know, <laughs> I was well, pouring so my ass off out here. Were they make you use a snowblower? No, no snowblower. <laughs> the one neighbor did have a snowblower. Um, we got we I saw that in action. Uh, the storm of '96, I believe, the three footer. He came uh, over and helped us out. I was out there shoveling by myself, three feet of snow, and he uh, comes over and saved my life. I was like, "Thank you, God." But uh, we used to get an allowance, Tim. I used to get a dollar fifty a week. It started when I turned six, I believe. A dollar fifty a week. Water paid, bud. Listen to this. I'm not done. A dollar fifty a week, right? And I had to split it up three ways. Fifty had to go into a piggy bank, fifty cents. Fifty had to go to the the basket at church, fifty cents, and then I got to do whatever I wanted with the other fifty cents. You big spender. What were you, yeah. what, what were you Thanks, breaking the bank on now? What were you breaking the bank on? And one? you want me shoveling for free? <laughs> 
I can't imagine what the church did with that, huh? Well, you know, he said, hey, Tom, these lights, uh, this electricity doesn't come on for nothing. <laughs> Tom, you're responsible for that new organ up there. You know, look at you. Appreciate your donation. Yeah. Extra shoveled snow. Yeah. I should have started calling the shots at home then. You know yeah. what? You go to bed early. <laughs> I'm putting the bill around here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. So it was a big weekend, a real big weekend for us wrestling fans. And WrestleMania, the showcase of the Immortals, which you learned last week, yeah. the grandest yeah. stage of them all. Tim, what are some uh, some takeaways I guess we should go right to to the main event. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. A lot of people upset over the finish of that match. Obviously, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, Roman Reigns retains the title via some interference. And a lot of people are talking that this was the wrong decision. This was the only chance they had to put Cody Rhodes over. He was the star moving forward. Did WWE make the correct decision? Dude, quite torn on this one. Um, my God. I, I mean, first of all, I mean, the, the match in itself was just insane. Um, you know, Cody delivered, and I, I was texting back and forth with you, obviously, during the match. We were going back and forth. But, um, I mean, holy shit. Like, the dude came out of that that match like untouchable in my opinion i mean the dude was flawless um in his execution he was excellent in the ring um just excellent just from start to finish and uh you know it was a shame to see the way it ended because you know he had that whole thing you know let's finish the story uh, with you know his dad and everything and yeah before the match he kind of came out of character a little bit went and saw his uh you know, his, I think it was his daughter. It was his daughter and his wife. And then yes. Luke Harper's son was right there. He gave the belt to Luke Harper's son, which there's another story behind that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, research that. Um, I but, would say this. I noticed something on the belt that I've never noticed before. And all I the names know, on the back. All the stuff that was written on the back. Yeah, And I want, I'm like, is that a message he wrote to this kid? Like, I want to know what was written on that belt. Did they say? Looked, honestly, I... In my opinion, I I didn't I thought it like he flipped it over and it looked like there was just a bunch of names, maybe like all the names that maybe he defeated. I, I don't know, just speculation, but like who he defeated over the course of you know, his career, maybe to get to that point. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys like you know Tom Brady, yeah, one of the greatest of all time, right? Like had all the names of people all the quarterbacks that were drafted in front of him in his locker room at all times. Right. So like, really? maybe it was, maybe it was something like that, but um, you know, it was, Here, just, I thought it was a message. He knew he was going to give it to him. He wrote, he got a message engraved on it for him to make it like a little, even more special. I don't know. Been. That was my, that was my take on it, but I don't know what exactly it was. Could have been, I, I don't know, but um, regardless you know, in in all of the time that I've watched wrestling, I felt like that WrestleMania, the one that we've just watched, was by far head and shoulders above anything that I've ever seen. I thought there was two matches probably that 
were worth scrapping, like that just weren't good in my opinion. Right. Um, but like the main event, both nights delivered. Uh, I think you, uh, yeah, I sent this text to you too as well. I called that flipping, flipping the main event from Charlotte and and Rhea to to Sami Zayn and KO to to kind of give you some. You know, maybe something to look forward to in the next in the next main event on Sunday, and and we saw those guys come back out on Sunday night and interfere in that match. And you know, I I thought it was it was as much as I wanted to see Cody win. Um, I really felt like they made the right decision um, keeping Roman as as the the champ and letting Cody still kind of tread water and find his way in the WWE because, you know, that would have been a meteoric rise for him um, from the time he came over from AEW. Look, the guy is the prodigal son. And from the time he left, you know, to the time he comes back, you know, he's already won the Royal Rumble and they're going to, they're going to put the universal championship on him. I mean, that's a tough sell to a lot of diehard WWE guys. And, uh, you know, I felt, I felt like that they did it the right way. Um, You know, he couldn't have came out of that match any better than he did. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was a solo Sokoa, uh, what do they call that? The Samoan that he, spike. Samoan spike away from, from winning, winning the championship. All. So I think it was perfect. Yeah. I think that match started, I want to say, like you've said before, the show and everything is the best I've ever seen. That was the as big as it gets. That final match, the entrances. The build, 80-some thousand people there on their feet, feeding into every second of that match. And when we look at all this stuff, there's been so many matches with Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, the last man standing, against Drew McIntyre at Clash at the Castle, against Logan Paul, against Sami Zayn. And these building of the stories, and then the matches before that, and the storyline with Jay... The whole thing, and everybody wants to shit on him and say this was the wrong decision. It doesn't go without Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the guy. Whether or not he was pushed and put into that place, he's there now, and he's run with it, and he needs to get the credit that he deserves for being the guy. He looked great at the match. I don't think I've ever seen him as cut up. The look was great. Everything was perfect. And I was happy that they extended it because I feel like we were talking about last week, the longer he holds the belt, the more it means. And to all the fans out there that are saying they made a mistake, they fumbled the ball, this is bad booking. If you don't think Cody Rhodes is going to take this loss and make the best out of it and build up stronger and better, then they shouldn't have given him the belt to begin with because when he gets it, he's going to have to run with it. I fully believe in Cody Rhodes. I love Cody Rhodes for 10 years. I've been talking about Cody Rhodes should be a main event wrestler. Dan, when Daniel Bryant won in WrestleMania 30, there was a certain thing. He was with Bray Wyatt and he was with the Wyatt family. And then he turned on the Wyatt family, which I thought was done way too quickly. Not like they're doing now. And he, had this cage match, whatever. I remember saying to my brother, Cody would have done 
better. Cody would have done it. And that's when me and my brother really bought in on Cody Rhodes. And then he was a Stardust and this whole thing. And I actually thought he did great with Stardust. It was a terrible gimmick, but I thought he did incredible with what he's given. So I loved what they did. The triple threat match for the Intercontinental title was one of the most entertaining, hard-hitting matches I've ever seen in my life. I loved Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre, three of the best professional wrestlers in the world who don't get nearly enough credit either. These guys were banging each other. Tim, it was hard to watch. Gunther was out. like He was on the side of the ring for, like I mean, half the match. Yeah, I mean, it was it was Drew McIntyre and and Sheamus absolutely destroyed each other, dude. It was to the point where I was laughing out loud watching these guys <laughs> smack the shit out of each other. I'm like, dude, this is fucking insane. Yeah. Like, I've never seen guys do, and you know, it's psychopaths like those guys right. that make wrestling so entertaining, right? Like they, right. They, they do the flare chops that like they they play those things. They yeah. know what they're doing before they go in the match. They go, hey, this is what sells. This is what delivers. And we're going to do as much as this as we can. And we're going to make it work. And you know what? We're going to it's going to hurt like a bitch. But guess what? People are going to love it. And right. it's the reason why we're talking about it right now is one of the best matches at WrestleMania, I, I mean, dude, that that was insane, dude. Like, it was just insane. The, like, and these guys aren't like little like flyweights either. No, dude, these guys are. Drew McIntyre is like two hundred seventy five pounds. Dude, he's a monster, a beast, monster guys. And it was fun to watch, and it was awesome. And and you know, every time those guys go out, they put on a show, and it's great to see. And I, I mean, I can't foresee them going away from that. Like, they have to stick with that for as long as they can. I mean, it gets a little redundant, but as long as they're putting on matches like that, dude, I mean, who gives a shit? Right. And they lay it in. And part of the thing that I love about that, too, is obviously through the storyline, they're feuding and they're going against each other. But, you know, in the locker room, they're like brothers and they know, yo, when we're going out, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. Let's just fucking do this. We're going to we're going to bang. And it's it's going to be a match for the ages. So that match. The Logan Paul-Seth Rollins match, the Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair match, and the KO-Sami Zayn-Usos match, all of those matches are on such a level, they were so well done, and kudos to the producers. Actually, the producer of the Rhea Ripley-Charlotte Flair match was Jason Jordan, who suffered a terrible injury, was with American Alpha. He's been behind behind the scenes now. Young guy, had great potential. Hopefully... I don't know if his career in the ring is over. Great job producing the match. I was really happy with all that stuff. And so when someone says, Tom, what was the match of the night? What was the, what was the best match of the night? I'm going to lean towards Roman and Cody because of that being the build. That's the payoff. That's the big story. However, they're all on a level that I can't really say you can say one is better than the other. Did I enjoy some more than the other because of me being bought in? Maybe. But all those matches are top tier. If they're not one, they're 1A, one you know, they're all right there. Best yeah. WrestleMania I think <clears throat> I've ever seen from top to bottom. The show, yeah. the build, the stage, the, the arena, everything was out of this world. I've never seen yeah. anything like it. No, I agree. I think the, um, I think the Sammy KO 
Uso match was just was just insane. Like yeah. just from the start to finish, it was just unbelievable. It was uh just like the theater, like within that whole match was just incredible. The Haluva kicks, the stunner, right? Like yeah. like like Sammy kicking out for the first time from the one D. Like that all that stuff was just like awesome, right? And um, you know, in my opinion, like one of the most underrated matches of the list of the two nights was was the Finn Balor um edge match, right? Like I, I the Hell in a Cell match is, is a tough match, right? It's like it's hard to live up to from all the predecessors that have been through that. But right. dude, I mean the aftermath, the aftermath of what we saw from the, the Finn Balor match was insane. Finn Balor had like I think eight or nine staples in his head, dude. Like, and the guy continued to compete and finish that match. Like that's, that's going to give him some, some major props in the locker room and it should carry over. I mean, through the company, I I mean, in my opinion, I mean, that, that should go a long way. I mean, that dude just, what a beast dude. That, that match was pretty cool too as well. So absolutely. And and for people that, you know, people that aren't fans of professional wrestling, you know, they love to do and trigger words as far as, oh, you know, it's fake. Right. And that's like their sayings. And, you know, as a as a fan, you, uh, you say, well, it's not fake. It's scripted. We understand that. I understand that choreographed. But for a guy to take a ladder off the head. Five minutes, they numb him on the side of the mat. They staple his head and he finishes the match. And what sport is that going on? You know, I mean, what I the mean? only the only thing I can think of is hockey. When hockey, they just maybe yeah, like that's it. And yeah. like, yeah, they sew you up after yeah intermission. They send you back out. But I mean, again, it just this is awesome. Like all the way across the board, um, yeah, you know, for for WWE, and then obviously, yeah, you know, transition into Monday night where. Yeah, the sale happened, the UFC, and um, yeah, a lot of that stuff took place. I mean, a lot is going on with the WWE, and it's uh, uh, you know, Triple H came out and did his spiel about, hey, we're not going anywhere, and I truly believe that's that's a fact. Like yeah. it, it seems like the WWE has so much momentum right now, and I mean, if you are a AEW fan. I, I would be probably a little bit concerned because, I mean, those dudes might start getting picked off left and right. I mean, all the momentum that WWE has and now the financial backing they have, uh, you know, it, it could get interesting, um, you know, in the in upcoming months here. So Well, you see what happens at these major shows and you look at it and you can't be a wrestler and not want to be a part of that. There's, it's a different level. It's a different level than any other uh, mixed martial arts, any kind of combat sport in the world. It's the top level, and it's it's not even really close to anything else. So we had that, and you're saying we had Raw, and a lot of to me, Raw was a bit of a disappointment. I didn't really care for the show that much. There was some fun things. The beginning and the end was kind of weird. My big concern is with the sale of WWE, Monday Night Raw seemed to have Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over it. And 
that's been the big problem over the last decade with WWE. And sure, they've had some great moments and done some things along the 10 years, a decade or whatever, 20 years, whatever you want to talk about, how long maybe it's been a disappointment. These last seven months, nine months of WWE have been some of the best I've ever seen. And I've been following it for a long time. And I'm concerned that with the sale, Vince McMahon being back involved with creative, we are going to be headed backwards. A lot of things happened on Monday Night Raw that were strange. Seth Rollins' promo was very weird. The women coming out and standing in each other's faces. The uh, um, And then the, then the end with Brock Lesnar just beating the shit out of Cody. Now, looking at it, just that, I thought Brock did a great job. Cody did a great job of selling. It was brutal. It was vicious. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I'm I'm hoping they know what they're doing. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, just like I was giving them the benefit of the doubt with Roman winning and, and Cody losing, that they know what they're doing and know where this is headed. Tim, are you concerned at all that this might be a sign of them going nah. backwards? No, no, no. I think uh, at this point, I think Vince knows his place. I hope he knows his place. Um yeah, like, dude, it's been, like, to your point, it's been so good, right? It's been so good, and the response has been extremely positive. Um, I don't know why, like, after WrestleMania, like, someone would just say, like, hey, Vince, go ahead, take control. Uh, you tell us what to do with it, right? Like, I, I don't right. see that change. Like, um, I was talking to a buddy of mine earlier today. You know, he feels like it's heading in the right direction. You know, he told me. Yeah, his opinion was on that whole Cody thing. He was like, he's like, dude, honestly, he goes, Brock as a heel is probably the best thing for WWE. Like, when he's a heel, he's at his best. And when he's just destroying dudes, that's that's great. And I'm like, all right, I can, I can buy that. that. I can buy that. If that's what it is, then so be it. But so like, why did why did why do you think Brock did it? I I, I dude, I you know, I, I have no clue. I, I, I don't see an angle. That's the thing. Right. Like, so like, I don't see a storyline there. Like, it's weird for me to say like why he would interject himself into that storyline. Um, other than like, he's just Brock Lesnar and that's what Brock Lesnar does. He just destroys anything in his path. Right. Like that's what he's always done. Right. Like there's never been really any method to, to what he does. He just, you know, I, I mean, I, wasn't there times where like, he would just come out and just absolutely F five everybody like yeah. while, during a match, yeah, yeah. like maybe he's on that, that path right now. I don't know. But um, obviously it was a little more calculated by him coming out, agreeing to be his partner, you know, tag team partner. I, I don't know, but it, it leaves the door wide open. Some people are sending me text messages about like, yo, is Brock joining the bloodline? That would be a little nuts. That would be a little How crazy. would that work? He had a history with Paul Heyman. Is him and Paul Heyman going to rekindle that? And then also, it's not like Brock answers to anybody. He's not going to answer to Roman. You yeah. know, he's not going to say, oh, Roman, you're the boss now. Uh, you're the head of the table. You know, he's not going to do that. Did Roman and them cut a deal to eliminate Cody? Did they say, we'll give you a championship match if you eliminate Cody? Did Triple H, who has a history with Cody Rhodes, Uh, say, uh. I want Cody out of the picture. We have just sold the company. Roman's our guy. Where are they going with this? Now, would that be more of a storyline like Triple H 
or would it be more of a vendetta, right? Like, or they could make it both, right? They could make it out of storyline. I know, like, you know, people were saying to me, like, uh, well, you know, Cody destroyed Triple H's chair or something right. like that. Like, I heard that. that. And, yeah. When he went I to mean, AEW, for people that don't know, first major pay-per-view for AEW, he took a... Uh, a um, sledgehammer. Sledgehammer, which is traditionally Triple H's, you know, the cerebral weapon assassin's choice. weapon of choice, and he destroyed a throne, Triple H, the King of Kings. It was a direct shot at Triple H. Is Triple H now saying, the head of creative, oh, yeah, well, you're not going to win the championship at WrestleMania, and guess what? Brock Lesnar is going to bury you. And, you know, is this all is this all paybacks for Cody leaving the company and, and doing that? Well, that and again, this is what's great about wrestling is that there's so it's many the different about angles, it. Right. Yes. Like it's literally the the male version of Days of Our Lives. Right. Like we that's why we enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. We love yeah. it because, you know, there's all sorts of bullshit that's going on. And, uh, you know, you never know what's real and what's not. And, um you know, I don't know how it's going to play out. Hopefully, we get a little bit of an explanation on Brock Lesnar's situation. But um, for the most part, the way I saw it, there was no real reason or rhyme, like rhyme or reason of why that just happened. It was weird. It was strange. And uh, God, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah, me too. All right, Timmy. So obviously, this is a big week in the the golf world. We are heading into the biggest week, and I feel like we probably should have talked about this sooner. But I got uh, mixed up in my my uh, you did you prioritizing because we you usually did. finish with WWE. Yes. So, for the folks out there listening, the Masters is this weekend, and and more importantly, the Mini Masters. And we want to uh, we'll let you all know that Tim and I will be live from the Mini Masters this week. We'll be following a featured group. Um, we will have a uh, showcase of the course. And have a little fun. Hopefully you can tune into that or check out the clips that we have coming from that. Tim, who do you got winning the Masters this week? Who's your favorite? And so there's why? There's yeah, there's there's three guys that have been playing lights out. Uh and it's Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and, and Roy McElroy. Uh these three guys have been just yeah, the top of their game. They've been delivering on every level. Uh, yeah, there's a couple guys that have been playing well. Uh, Chris Kirk has been playing well. There's a couple other guys that have been playing pretty decent. Jason Day has been playing well. But um, in my opinion, those three guys are are one A, B, and C, dude. Like there's they're in interchangeable parts. Um, the problem is though that I see looking forward is that there's going to be a lot of bad weather heading down to Augusta this weekend. And I don't know how that's going to affect the players. You know, they always talk about the start times, right? So, like, do you have the better draw? Do you start in the morning before the rain starts? And then the next day, like, so Thursday, Thursday, Friday, if you start in the morning, then on Friday, you start in the afternoon, right? And vice versa. If you start in the afternoon on on Thursday, you start in the morning on Friday, right? Right. So, it's all about the better draws. Like if you have shitty weather, you can't, you can't golf in it. Like you're not going to put up a great number. So it, it, it's all about the better draws. Um, and whoever has the better draw, in my opinion, is going to be the guy that has the, the biggest advantage. And yeah, the biggest thing too is now with the masters, you open the door here now for these live golfers, right? Live golf, which is, right. 
the adjacent tour now that everyone's getting paid so much money for to go play. Um, so this is the first tournament of the year that these guys are available to play in. And in my opinion, I don't think these guys are going to perform well because they've only been tested. Right. So in a normal format for the PGA tour, it's a 72 hole, right. Tournament, right. That's, that's four eighteens. In the Live Golf Tour, they only pay 54 holes, and they aren't playing the most challengeable courses at all. They're playing more of like a walnut lane, right? <laughs> and Live and, should go play the nut. Dude, I'm I'm telling you the truth. They're playing walnut lane, and they're going to Augusta this weekend. So there's going to be a major difference. I'm not saying that they're not qualified. Like, look, you have guys like Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, right? Brooks Kepka, right? All these guys have played this course before. Some it's not like they don't winners. know. Yeah. But let's talk about, like, how have they performed over the course of the last year when they're playing league tournaments, when they're only playing 54 holes, right? Like, after 54 holes, yo, there's another 18. I'll tell you what. Last weekend, I went and played, you know, 54 myself, and I was dead. All right. It took, it took me. I'm not a professional golfer, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. So, know, but... who has more pressure on them? Would you say that the, the live golfers coming in have more pressure on them to succeed, or no, do the PGA no. golfers that are trying to defend the brand have more, more pressure? No, this is more of a. And, yeah, they like to say that the media is creating this whole this whole sandstorm, right, of live versus PJ. Like, is there any animosity there, right? And, dude, if I'm a PGA Tour player, I don't want a live guy fucking winning my tournament, dude. Like, right. this is the Masters, man. Like, I want to win this tournament. Like, if I'm Rory or, you know, or Tiger or any of these guys, right, that have like, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morcala, right? Like, if these – if if the live golfers are are on the radar and they're getting close, dude, I'm turning my game up a notch, dude. I can't have these guys walk my tournament. So yeah, right. My opinion, does that hurt them? Or I know they want to turn it up a notch, but now it's like nah. shit. I better turn this up, or nah. now a live golfer is going to win, and people are going to start viewing that more. And well, I mean, if a live golfer wins, I mean that's that will be a major blow to the PGA tour because then guys go, all right, well, like they're playing this easier schedule. They're getting paid more, right? Why am I still wasting my time on the PGA tour when I can go over there and play 54 whole tournaments, right? Like make $110 million just for showing up. Yeah. And it's not, a, it's a non-competitive event because it's a team event essentially. So it doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, if, the worst thing for the PGA Tour would be for a live golfer to win a major this year, right? And and you know what? I they, feel like they have the most pressure. Rory, who's especially been been one oh, of the yeah, people at the yeah. front that have been saying anti-live and stuff like that. I feel like when it comes down to that Sunday, and you're sure. gonna start draining these putts, mm-hmm. uh, shit. You know, I better fucking drain this. Cam Smith's got a, a two-stroke lead on me. There will be no better theater on Sunday. If Cameron Smith and Rory McElroy are tied for lead on 18, dude, that would be insane. Like, that would be just, like, barn on the greatest theater in golf that you've seen since Tiger Phil, since, you know, God, I mean, Watson. Fergus at the Mini Masters. Yeah, yeah. I was going to – I mean, I was going to go – 
Watson Nicholas, but I mean, that's a Schmidt that's a, Fergus, Mini Masters, yeah, final hole, one stroke apart. Tim, quick story with you. The one time I was at Walnut Lane and I was walking on and paired me up with two fellas that years ago an article was written in the newspaper that said Walnut Lane had the one of the best hole of a Philadelphia public course. The whole number, I'm drawing a blank. It's a it's it's probably their longest hole. It's on the back nine. It's before, so 18, 17, 16. I believe it's hole 15, okay? It's a par four, hole 15. Uh, Henry Ab's on your left-hand side. You can you can hook it into into Henry Ab. Either way, we're playing the, the, that was the hole in the paper that said, wow, this is the best hole in all of Philadelphia public public courses. So we're playing, like, this is a first They would be time. wrong, by the way. They'd be wrong. Yeah. So we're playing um, the course, and we get to... I guess what would be hole 13. So par three up, up the hill, there's two bunkers in front of it. So the guy hits a shot and he's just off the green. And, uh, I had a shot him on the green, whatever. And huh. he goes and he said, you know, this is the first time here. He hits his putt just off the green, goes down the hill, boom, right into the hole, oh. goes to the hole, looks in. What does he see? Correct. A, a used condom. <laughs> That's not I said, bad. welcome to the nut, baby. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That's brutal. <laughs> Can you imagine your first time at a course? It's all about a hole of one, huh? I read about this in the newspaper. <laughs> they said it's the most beautiful course. You know, I said, well, those two must have really got carried away on that. On the beauty must have grabbed a hold of them. <laughs> Yeah, I I can only think of one person to write that article. It's probably John Cheney. He used to live at that course. Yeah, we used to see him every once in a while. Hey, coach, how you doing? Yeah. But uh, all right, Tim. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode of Schmidt and Lavelle. Do you have uh any any final words for the uh, Schmidt and Lavelle lights out there? Uh no. You know what I I have to say. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody on Saturday at the Mini Masters. That's right. And go um, course go, design. And go pirates. <laughs> uh, go pirates. Five year old coach pitch team. You're correct. Go pirates. So, everyone, hopefully, uh, you can check us out this Saturday at the Mini Masters. We'll be we'll be doing our first live broadcast, and we'll have some clips from that that hopefully you find enjoyable. Um, my name's Tom Lavelle. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Timothy Schmidt. This is Schmidt and Lavelle. And we will catch you next time. Adios.